This is a live town hall panel. Dis- this is a live town hall panel discussion on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Tonight, the vicious cycle of homelessness in Springfield and Greene County. What's being done to help the unsheltered in our community? Are we doing enough? And how does our community suffer when desperation sets in? Over the next hour, we'll hear from experts who are on the front lines. Here's our moderator for tonight's panel, News Director Don Luzader. Church estimates one adult living without shelter costs the Springfield community nearly $31,000 in medical expenses, policing, court fees, and cleanup costs. That same church cites data that says more than 1,100 people are living on the streets here, making this a nearly $34 million problem. Good evening, I'm KWTO News Director Don Luzader, and over the next hour we will hear from a variety of agencies who assist or interact with the homeless in our community on a daily basis. We'll look into what is wrong, what's going right, what can we do better, and maybe by the end of this hour, and it'll be a quick hour, we'll come up with at least some ideas, and I've got to think all of my panelists here tonight, but I could also say we have a number of great organizations in this community that provide service to people who are down on their luck and down on their money and looking for a place to live. And we could easily do a panel discussion with probably about uh, three dozen agencies or more around here that all do great work. But we want to try to have a variety tonight. And uh, panelists, thank you for joining us. We welcome uh, Green County Sheriff Jim Arnott the Director of Men's Fellowship at Freeway Ministries, Casey Merrick, the Executive Director of Springfield Victory Mission, Jason Henson, and the Director of Social Services for the Salvation Army, Chris Brummett. Panelists, thank you for joining us, and we thank our listeners for tuning in to this important discussion tonight live on KWTO and also on Facebook at KWTO 93. 3 FM, 560 AM radio. Uh, this event is on Facebook Live tonight. So if you want to watch us and listen to us at the same time, uh, you can certainly join us on Facebook Live. Uh, we'll get into some tough questions tonight. This is going to be an open and respectful discussion. And I'd like to start by having each of you give an opening thought about the homeless problem in the greater Springfield area. Numbers aside, how bad is it? What effect does it have on our community as a whole, and why is it something that our listeners should be concerned about? Jason Henson uh, from the Springfield Victory Mission, we're going to start with you. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You bet. Uh, So, yeah, one of the things that we keep seeing is uh, just that cost. I, I think the challenge that we'd like to see in economics is a thriving bursting community and one of the things that i know talking to a local business owner is that you know individuals on a street corner holding the sign uh it doesn't add value to our community and so we we want to get them off the street and into productive citizenship and really there's a lot of employers that are ready to have them and so what's one of the focuses victory mission has has championed is that workforce development piece. How do we get people moving forward in productive steps to get them back into employment? Uh, Because one of the key statistics I like to say is if you're working 40 hours a week, there's a 90% chance you won't live in poverty. So just working 40 hours a week is a key component to helping people move forward. And Jason, I want to talk about that and share some successes in that as we go forward this evening. Uh, one of the organizations 
uh, and I believe it's Freeway Ministries, calls it an exit strategy. The exit strategy is probably the most important piece of all of it, and uh, I look forward to hearing a little bit more about what you all do in particular at uh, Freeway Ministries. Uh, but let's next turn uh, to the Director of Social Services for the Salvation Army, Chris Brummett. Uh, Chris, how bad is the situation in Springfield, and uh, w where do we go from here? Hi, Don. We appreciate the opportunity to be here on your panel tonight and to speak about our mission in assisting individuals who are homeless or even in danger of becoming homeless. Currently, we're seeing new faces within the homeless population. Talking with some of the folks who work the front end, the front line there at my shelters, especially in our frontline feeding program, they're seeing folks that they've never seen before, people that they don't know. So we see that it's growing. How bad is it? And what are we working or, or trying to do to help prevent that, help solve it? We're seeing more families enter into homelessness. We're seeing children growing up uh, without the stability of home. That impacts school. That impacts everything. And it also continues the cycle that they may end up homeless as they grow up. So we're working with families, not just single men, but with families in hopes of moving, assisting mom and dad in moving out of that cycle, moving to that stable home, benefits everyone all the way around. We also see the economic impact and we, we encourage employment in both of our shelters to, again, move forward there. I want to talk about that cycle more as we go along, and that's part of the uh, the title of our discussion tonight, the mm -hmm. vicious cycle of homelessness in Springfield and Greene County, and that manifests itself in so many ways. And a very unique perspective of this is uh, an organization that we've had on uh, the radio here before on KWTO. We've had them on Wake Up Springfield, and uh, we really appreciate Casey Merrick, uh, the executive uh, director of Springfield Victory Mission, being here. But we also want to introduce uh, the director of Men's Discipleship at Freeway Ministries, uh, Casey uh, Merrick. This is a very unique organization that you all do and I want to kind of have you give some details about what you do to keep people from being homeless after in a lot of cases they've committed a crime and they've served time sure yeah well I want to thank you also for having me on today I think I might be to my knowledge the only um, person here that's had the privilege of being homeless so hopefully I bring a little um, um, heart to that and then experience but uh, praise God for freeway ministries amen and people that invest I believe that it's a broken world I think we're all seeing the same thing and I think that it's full of a bunch of broken people um, what we see is people doing what they were trained to do what they were taught to do from an early age they're continuing in what their parents taught them and so there's some strongholds there that's stronger than drugs and alcohol you know and so what our ministry, the heart of our ministry is, is one-on-one -on -one discipleship. It's taking the local church, which we believe is the answer, and, and getting their hands dirty, getting their hearts broken, coming alongside people and teaching them how to live a life that's successful. And that's a huge investment. Um, it's not uh, always works out right. Things get broken. People get hurt. But, um, but we believe that Jesus Christ is the answer, ultimately. And a changed heart, you know, um, changes a life. We believe that people don't really understand that they have an identity in Christ and they have a purpose in Christ and once they realize that it changes everything. Casey look forward to continuing to get your sights and yes you do bring a very unique perspective to this and we want to tap into that as we go along tonight and Sheriff Jim Arnott has served in law enforcement for many many years in this community 
And uh, Sheriff, uh, I know you've seen a lot of changes in crime. You've seen a lot of changes just in the population and, and the homeless issue. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times, uh, especially we talk about desperation sitting in, and it does lead to crime. How bad is the problem, and why is this something that listeners on this radio station should be concerned about? Well, thanks for having me, Don. And, and yes, I, it is a, it's a problem in our community because, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, our local citizens, our business owners don't want to see um, you know, people on the street corners, those type of things. They want to see people get help, and that's what really our community is all about. And, and we know every disaster or every big problem that we have, our community comes together because we have probably more nonprofits and churches than probably – anyone and then also people in government that want to help so you know it is a huge issue one of our uh, I think one of our success stories is actually working around uh, with the groups here at the table uh, from freeway ministries to um, uh, any of the shelters that are, are involved uh, we work to try to get people help uh, before we have to interact with them on a law enforcement end but kind of flipping it to the law enforcement side of it, we see an increase of people being arrested and put in jail that have no address. So uh, how do we deal that with that in the future? That's, that's the thing that, uh, okay, so they have now had a law enforcement encounter. They've been arrested. Now they need to appear in court. And what do we do to keep from warrants getting stacked up and then people stacked up with multiple charges we want to get them into the system get them help and get them out because our goal is not to keep people in jail uh, our goal is to get people uh, as stated working uh, being a productive citizen so uh, it is teamwork uh, from everybody uh, in the in the county to try to help that uh, but we do see an issue with uh, with crime and uh, some of that uh, it really doesn't matter where they live or if they're homeless or not we see crime there there's a combination of people uh, hiding from law enforcement that that may be classified as law enforcement but uh, we see them as criminals and but they they mix in with different populations and so we've seen a, a lot of that that's being disguised as homelessness but it's not it's it's dodging felony warrants that uh, law enforcement are out with them but but the good thing is the people that we have been able to identify and get to our partners um, we've seen some some really good successes in it and I was talking with Casey with Freeway Ministries uh, just before we started and we've seen some really good successes uh, with their program people that have hit rock bottom uh, committed some serious crimes uh, got back out and now they're on the right uh, right track with Freeway Ministries so we're, we're proud of them and, and what they do but uh, also but all of our partners uh, that sits around this table Casey Merrick, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, the sheriff just hit the nail on the head. I think when, when, when people have served time, whether it be a short amount of time or they've gone to prison for a long time, when they get out and they are wanting to transition back into society and be a productive citizen, talk about some of the obstacles that they have facing them because uh, they're really starting from scratch in so many ways, aren't they? Sure. Yeah, and there's, there's, you know, obviously there's, you know, legal issues, you know. Um, oftentimes it's hard for people with a bad record to find a, a stable place to live. You know, they, they have terrible rent history for the most part, and, and whenever you've got a background, people look at that. And so 
Um, just having a stable place and transportation to make it to all your legal, you know, obligations is huge. But then um, just getting a job, I mean, it comes along with a lot of stigma. And then there's that, you know, that the man's dealing with or woman themselves, you know, having never really completed anything, a lot of broken relationships, broken commitments. Um, it just, um, they really wonder if, if they can do anything right or they can follow through on something or complete anything. And so it really takes just a huge... Um, community of people around them to surround them and walk them through that. Um, when I first came to Freeway, I was living in a halfway house and, and they asked me how I was doing. I was like, well, I'm doing fine. And they said, how are you really doing? Because they knew I was struggling. And, um, and I said, well, I'm struggling. And they said, well, we're going to take some steps together. And they came alongside me and began to walk through life with me. And that was the difference because I've been in and out of churches and, and programs and different things, but I never really had people willing to take that time to invest. You know, and that makes a difference. Very good. And some of them don't even uh, some of them don't even have a phone. They don't have a driver's license. In order to get a job, you know, you need some things that that they don't have. How do you help them get yeah. what they need? It can't be a an overnight process. It takes some time, doesn't it? It does. Um, as far as the identification, we do have a good system down for that, and so we can get that going pretty quickly. Um, and we've developed relationships with the community and um, as far as employment and stuff. But, but honestly, we, we, we give people instructions first all, off because if they can't handle short-term instructions, um, it's really hard for them to commit to anything beyond that. And so really, I mean, you talked about desperation earlier. There, there has to be a desperation to do whatever it takes to change. And, um, and we really try to search that out first because, I mean, and, and I think, God for all the organizations here and the different um, resources they provide because, you know, when people begin to get resources and get help, it helps them to look in the mirror. It helps them to have that self-esteem to want to do better, but they still have to have that tenacity to do whatever it takes and, and to be willing to, you know, be taught how to live differently. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, our panelists tonight on our live town hall panel discussion on homelessness in our community, Casey Merrick, the Director of Men's Discipleship at Freeway Ministries, Jason Henson, the Executive Director of Springfield Victory Mission, Chris Brummett, Director of Social Services, the Salvation Army, and Jim Arnott, Green County Sheriff. We've used this phrase vicious cycle before in talking about homelessness. How does this manifest itself? I know law enforcement officers like Sheriff Arnott are dealing with people who are committing crimes who they're familiar with their mom or dad. Uh, they've been in jail before too. Grandma right? and grandpa now. <laughs> grandma and grandpa. Okay, so you're really getting, you've really been here a while if you're the, <laughs> the grandkids, right? <laughs> Uh, but 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 it's in all seriousness. How often do we see these families who are down and out without much money or a place to live because that's the only life they've known? They've grown up that way. Who would like to address that? Well, I can I can jump in. I think the reality that we see is this uh, kind of a neighborhood, and you see that in the neighborhoods. You know, Victory Mission is right there in Grant Beach, Woodland Heights, Midtown, and you know, one of the things that I see economically is these houses. You know, we're now more than 50% rental in Springfield, the majority of those. And so I think people just don't know. The education's not there uh, for them to understand what they can do to walk out, change. And, and also they're taught that, like, hey, we don't pay the light bill till the lights go off. Uh, we go to the food pantry because that's where you get food. Um, so we, the people in crisis and a lot of people in poverty are living day to day, moment by moment. So they wake up in the morning, 
hey, we're going to go to the fair, and they put off the that delayed gratification piece. And so we see that with individuals that come into our shelter, emergency shelter at Victory Mission, or the long-term programming that we have. So we want to engage in that discipleship process as well. Like, where are you, and where do you want to be? Let's set goals. Let's walk out change together. And realize that, guess what? you got to give yourself a lot of grace because you were taught exactly what you've become or you were told you're worthless, no good, and you're not going to amount to anything. So guess what? That's what they've done. And so uh, we had a young man that, I say young man, that was in our program and did our work-ready boot camp, and then he wore a cap and gown because he said, I've never finished anything in my life. And we gave him a week-long class and a certificate, and he wanted to wear a cap and gown because he had never finished anything, like Casey said. These, and so what does that say about that person is nobody had invested in him. Right. And so we are that place where we want to be that. And I know everybody here is do, trying to do the same thing from, hey, we engage in you in law enforcement. Let's get you to a place where you can be uh, have an opportunity to change. Yeah, the organizations are different, but Chris Brummett, the stories are the same, aren't they? Yes, same stories many times, different faces. I love what Casey was, was sharing there about giving short instructions because, as Jason was saying, folks are right there in the moment. They're just trying to survive. They're getting desperate. And thinking of this panel, I was remembering a time where I was involved in a poverty simulation. I don't know if any of, if any of the folks here have done that before. But one of the challenges in that is you have a very finite amount of resources. And you're, you're given an agenda, you've got to do this and that, get to work, don't be late, get your kids to, to school. But you don't have a car. So you have bus passes, but you only have a fourth of the bus passes you need. So I began to realize that this is going to work. I need a bus pass. I had a coworker. I'm ashamed to say this. My boss is listening. I, I'm, that may come back on me. This was years ago. Uh, coworker happened to have their bus pass not holding on to it real well. Get the bus pass so I can go in and do. I was like, what did I just do? But I realized mm -hmm. I was desperate. I needed yeah. to do this. That's a very small analogy and, and you know, a simulation at that. But folks are desperate. They want to move forward. You talk about being able to look in the mirror and, and see themselves and, and move forward. That's having dignity and hope restored. Broken people need dignity and hope restored. And that's what all of us are working to do here, to come alongside and, again, break that cycle because that's what they've known. I like the idea of the simulation because so many of us uh, who aren't there haven't thought about some of the things that you have to think about when you go through that. I think it's an exercise we all should go through. And, uh, and Casey, uh, it's, it's something that, I mean, none of us plan to be in a situation where we're desperate or where we have no hope or we have no job, we have no place to live. It's not something you plan for, is it? No. Um, I, and, I mean, honestly, I mean, to get to the heart of all of this, we have to deal with the heart. You know, yes. because that's that that really is what sets the pattern. You know, I I never wanted to 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 steal from my family. I never wanted to to lie to my boss. You know, but there was something wild and uncontrollable within me. Um, and and you talk about getting out. I could do good for a little bit, and most people can just by sheer effort. But whenever you get discouraged, or somebody lets you down, or, or somebody lies to you, or a relationship goes sour, then then that. 
that just knocks the air out of you and then it's easy to give up and just go back into that old cycle again right. mm-hmm. and so um and that's why you know really we believe that the gospel is the answer you know not just for that problem but for all the problems <laughs> you know it, it it's just an all-encompassing solution and so the heart is the issue you know once my heart changed then everything began to follow that when i remember sitting in a jail cell for the first time and and realizing that when i cussed it was a foul thing like that was an epiphany to me but it came through a heart change sheriff jim arnott i mean uh many of us grew up in a home where we had love we had care we had uh great parents um not everyone has that, and I know that you see a lot of that to where, you know, we talk about that cycle where where it's all that these people have known, and sometimes crime, unfortunately, is all that they've ever known. Hmm. Absolutely. As uh, we said earlier, you know, I I see the grandchildren of, of I arrested their grandparents, and it's almost uh, a badge of honor that they the whole family knows me to them. They were, you know, oh, you know my grandpa, you arrested him, you know, back in the 80s, and and so that stigma, uh, you, right. you know, where it's just kind of in that cycle where they can't seem to get out and it's just all they, they know. But we also know that life is about choices. And uh, Casey sitting next to me is a perfect example of that. He made the choice, uh, you know, to, to make a difference. And that's what he's doing now. And there are so many success stories that we have. We, wouldn't, we would have all night to, to go over all the success stories. But I think what we're trying to look at is how do we spend – uh, these people in the right direction and get them going on the right path. I'll tell you this, Don, it, it is not about bed space. It's not about uh, how many organizations we can throw at it. Right. It's about uh, mentoring and getting people to go the right direction. Because we it's can about have, that cap and gown, isn't it? Right. Yeah. We can have a thousand beds, but uh, it doesn't matter. It's just going to be a stopping place for them to continue. Uh, and these guys over here can tell you that more hopefully hopefully yours is more successful we want them to stay at your place a little bit longer but salvation army victory mission they roll in and roll out Mm -hmm. and and we want to change that cycle from the law enforcement perspective too because we have the same clientele and we want people to make better choices they make better choices uh it affects this community a, a, a lot so you know I have sheriff friends all over the United States, and one of the things that they talk about is, uh, especially on the West Coast, is their problem is huge compared to Springfield, Missouri. And it's growing, but what they've done is they allowed things to happen. And instead of going at it from a perspective like this panel right here talks about, is making a difference in that one person's life, uh, they're just throwing money at it and they're throwing space at it. And that doesn't solve the problem. The problem is, we we get people to make the good decisions. We get them on the right track, and we hope that they make good, good decisions from from that point on. Let's hear from uh, our friends at the Salvation Army and Springfield Victory Mission. Uh, first of all, um, collaboration is so important. I think between mm-hmm. entities. How many of you, show of hands, and for our, for those listening on the radio, how many of you either know each other or have worked with someone from each other's organization on some project? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All of us. Easy. All of you. All of you. Yeah. Um, how important is that, that this is, this is a community effort, right, Chris? It is. It, it's crucial that we collaborate. I think of Harbor House, the men's shelter. We'll have men come in, see it if we have availability, and we're full. 
but our monitors are on the phone calling Jason's team saying, hey, do you guys have beds available? We've got somebody who, who's wanting to move forward who needs shelter. And Jason's team will often say, yes, we've got, we've got availability. Send them on up. That's huge. When I think of freeway ministries, we've got some of our guys at the men's shelter who are active at freeway, and that's one of their support systems. That's right. Support's key to success. Sheriff Arnott's across the way from me. We'll have law enforcement officers who will encounter different folks in the community, and rather than taking them to jail, they say, hey, let's get you connected yeah. with, with folks. We're right there at Kansas and Chestnut. Everyone knows where we're at, right? Right. So they'll drop them off and give us an opportunity to start working with folks to get them connected with the other great organizations in Springfield. And we have four folks here tonight, but we're all working together. Even the, the organization's not represented tonight. We're all in it for the same purpose, to see folks move forward and to thrive. Harbor House uh, is a long-term intervention program that provides mm -hmm. hope and practical assistance to individuals as they seek to break the cycle of homelessness. Uh, these men maintain sobriety, they work toward a college education, they enter the workforce, they receive counseling, drug and alcohol rehabilitation. Uh, how successful has this Harbor House program been for you all? It's doing great and we see a lot of great Good. successes there. I think of one gentleman, I've been with Salvation Army for right around 10 months, worked in social services in Springfield, Southwest Missouri for years, but uh, relatively new at the Army. I met this gentleman right as I was new. He had lived the life that we're talking about, but he had decided to be serious in his faith, to be serious in, in his recovery, landed at Harbor House, got connected with the Job Center here in town, a great resource for folks wanting to move forward, received some training. He's now an over-the-road truck driver, just successful. He'll pop in as he's in town from time to time and just giving praise and glory to God. We see one another. There's always you know, a big bear hug and tears because that's what we're here for. He's a success. He's doing what he wants to do. We've had other men obtain housing and move forward in lives or in their life. So it's a great success. We have families at our family shelter, moms that, that I wish I could share their story about. They're obtaining housing. They're obtaining employment. They're moving their children out of the shelter into their first home in, in quite some time. That's great. And you tear up thinking about it just to see it. So the successes are there. Casey, if you would, just share with us about Freeway Ministries. Uh, you know, we, we've heard about Harbor House. Uh, talk about uh, specifically your organization and uh, and how that housing setup is and how you work with the the people who, who have been down on their luck and, and in trouble with the law. Sure. So Freeway is an outreach of the local church. Um, we're not a church. Um, so um, it started whenever our pastor of our church um, was sending mission teams around the world but they said who's going to the the halfway houses who's going to the jails who's going downtown who's going to the woods and so um, through that <clears throat> John Stroop which was a um, a great beneficiary of the um, the Harbor House that's where he made his start here in freeway so right. what a blessing there and um, and so started just picking up people and um and not just having services on non-church nights because a lot of people from our background are very timid around church we feel bad enough already while i go to a church where people yeah, are going to look exactly. at you crazy and right. ask you to take your hat off and you haven't brushed your hair in three days so it's embarrassing right so 
We'd um, just um, bring them to a service where we have child care, transportation, food, any reason that they might not have to come. We eliminated it and, um, and bring them in, and we just share the gospel with them. And we see lives being changed, people that are hungry and desperate and see that the way doesn't work and just lives being transformed. But now we have to be give, find a family to them because they can't go back to their family because it's going to just start that cycle over again. Um, and so the church is the family. Church is the answer. And so um, the men's houses um, is a way for us uh, just to um, give men a place to stay. And they commit one year. We say it's an investment, a one-year investment for the rest of your life. And so they have to set aside other relationships. Um, they have to, if they have a job or something like that, we tell them to put everything on the side and develop a foundation. And so that's one year. We have life skill classes where um, we start off with um, just teaching them um, budgeting, right? Budgeting their time, budgeting their um, funds, and, and being a healthy church member. And then that leads into season two, which is um, dealing with the past. It's all those brokenness from the past that keep us from having healthy relationships, false identity, worldviews, insecurities. And then season three is um, have to have how to have healthy relationships now. And so this is over the course of the year, break it up into 13-week um, sessions. And then season four is the exit strategy that you mentioned earlier, how yeah. to prepare for the unknown, how to prepare for, for what's next, because they've never made it this far before. They don't know what's on the other side. They've lived in this protective bubble for a year. And now they're about to step outside of that bubble where life's moving very fast for them. And once they've been through the Seasons program, what kind of feedback do you get from them? And then uh, how much follow-up do you do uh, yeah. on, on checking in with them and how they're doing? Well, we can't get rid of them. They keep coming. <laughs> so, uh, season 4 has no end. Um, the course, the, the program is a one-year program, but they keep coming for the fellowship. They keep coming because um, that is their family now. And that's the thing. It's not just about staying sober, staying out of jail. It's about having a purpose. These um, men and women are involved in the church. They're serving in ministry. They're working in child care. They're working in transportation. They're a healthy um, citizen of their community, and they're serving it, and they, and they can't get enough of it. So you'd be amazed at how productive and effective um, somebody that was just totally given over to drugs and alcohol can be for good once they realize that they can be part of good. And Sheriff, I don't know that the community at large always gets to hear stories like, like Casey just shared or, or even aware of, of organizations like Freeway Ministries, but how much do they really, in the, in, in the end, help you all in the law enforcement industry? Oh, it's huge. It makes a difference. Uh, as I said, we've seen success stories uh, with Freeway Ministries. We've seen people that we've dealt with for years actually make a total change and, and uh, be productive. And if it wasn't for the Salvation Army and Victory Mission, we wouldn't be able to go day-to-day to, to provide services for people because some people wouldn't need it if it wasn't for those organizations. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, it is a group effort. Uh, there's just so many things at this issue that, that we have to tackle, but I think it's, uh, it's really the position of the community to try to guide people to make good choices, and, and that's that's really the hope that we have is that they make good choices and we don't see them except on a on a positive note i want to spend some time and we're visiting on our panel discussion tonight with jim arnott green county sheriff who you just heard from chris brummett director of social services with the salvation army jason henson executive director of springfield victory mission and casey merrick the director of men's discipleship at freeway ministries and as we go into our final 30 minutes of the program here i want to talk about churches because what i've heard from each of you is that this is a faith-based thing we're dealing with here you know we we do this uh, out of compassion love heart 
but but a lot of this is there's a very spiritual element to it and churches in our community have stepped up in a way that i don't know that we've seen them step up before i um I, I know some people, uh, and I know the pastor over at uh, Asbury, uh, United Methodist, my, my aunt, who recently passed, was a longtime member of that church. And, uh, and I see some of the people who show up who, who he's there to help, and on cold winter nights, they open mm-hmm. up their church. I know we have a number of churches in the Springfield community doing that right now. Mm-hmm. And um, just for Chris and Jason, how nice is that to see? And uh, where are we with churches? Uh, what yeah. could we maybe even do more of, and what's working with that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know the cold weather shelter that they do when they open those up at churches is key. I mean, actually, our emergency shelter we have more openings during the winter because of that. Uh, so we actually have people that would go to that. Now, I will say this. I think when you hear all of our stories, you would think, well, why do we have a homelessness problem or why are people unsheltered? We have all this help because I think the reality that we're dealing with is a lot of times people are unwilling to come to grips with the reality of their situation. Um, One of our guys for eight years that graduated our program said, I'm going to deal with my methamphetamine addiction tomorrow. And that happened for eight years. So I think what we we have to realize, and I think everybody listening to this would say, well, why doesn't everybody stand on the street corner get in help? I think that those are the people that have figured out a system that are working. I mean, they're essentially, they're working on the corner, and so they've got something. I think the challenge is, what about the person who's being exploited in the woods that doesn't have a voice, that we can't find, that, that may get have challenges? Like, the people on the corners have figured out a system that works. That's why they keep showing up there. And I think we have to come to grips with the reality that we've got to go find people and say, hey, cold weather shelter is great. The churches open their doors. But again, we're just adding a bed. We're adding a bed. We're not dealing with the problem unless we can get to have a conversation with somebody. Say, you have a name, you have a story, and I want to know it. But I also want to know the truth. Like what they present to us is not always the truth. Hey, I just, I'm just passing through. I'm going to get a job tomorrow. No, you're not. Not without help, you're not. So let's, let's like, you know, it's all great that we can have these great stories, but the reality is there's people with heartbreaking stories of trauma, addiction, family violence, and until we come to grips and say, man, I, I don't know where you've come from, but I, I really want to hear it. I really want to help. Um, the, the heartbreaking people are doing heartbreaking things, and they're creating crimes because they don't know any better. And we've got to kind of come to grips with the reality that this is tough. And it's not one size fits all. And there's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's very challenging. And we've got to come to the understanding of that, that it's very complicated. So we can tell great stories, but it's also extremely complicated. And it's heartbreaking to hear the trauma that's been involved with individuals on the street. I appreciate you saying yep. that, Jason, because if it was all happy, uh, we wouldn't all be sitting here tonight right. uh, talking about it. And, uh, and Chris, uh, you know, that is a, a good question. I mean, how do we get these people? It's great that the churches are opening themselves yep. up for as, as cold weather shelters, but how do, we, how do we have that relationship to where we get those people hooked up with a Salvation Army, uh, a Freeway Ministry, sure. Springfield Victory Mission, to where mm-hmm. they can get the help that they need long term? I would go back to Casey's comment earlier about we've got to get to the hearts of people. 
And how do we do that? It's by building those relationships. Think about how daunting it may be to walk into an organization that looks cold, looks sterile, and, you know, folks don't know me. Do they really care? Yeah. Am I just another number? That's right. But if we're able to sit down and get to know them, and I, I think about Casey, his comment that, you know, they want you to take your hat off, you've not combed your hair in three mm -hmm. days, brushed your hair in three days. Let's accept them where they are. Yeah. And just work, start there. We've talked about case management. We've talked about once it isn't one size fits all. It's sitting down with the man, sitting down with the, the lady that's there. Where are you at? How can we work this? And have those small successes. Yeah. But ultimately, it does come back to an individual choice. And there are going to be setbacks. There are going to be times where they fall and they may cry. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I may cry also, but we're going to work together and I'm going to do everything I can to support and encourage you there. The area churches that are coming together in the cold weather seasons, they're great. We had the, the Arctic blast, what, a week or so before Christmas yeah, this just year? Yeah, a few days, yeah. That, that was a huge uh, call for help. And a, a shout out to the other churches that usually don't uh, participate in the cold weather shelter. They open their doors. The Springfield Fire Department, they work to get places approved as temporary shelters for the cold weather. They worked hard to do that. But ultimately, we have to be inviting. We have to be willing to say, let's sit down and we're willing to do the, the hard work and the dirty work next to you. Casey, how hard is it? to admit that you need someone's help because it sounds like pride is something that's very easy to get in the way of getting the help that you need. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. That is the issue. It's pride. And so how do you break through that? I mean, you pray for people to come to rock bottom. You know, we pray for people to end up in jail. You know, pray for people to come to the end of themselves where they're stuck with their own thoughts. Jails. Um, which the sheriff said himself, it doesn't fix people, but it puts people in a place where they're faced with themselves and their decisions and the consequences of what they've done with their life. That's a faithful prayer for people to be right in that place where they have to mm -hmm. accept those hard truths. Um, I came to terms with my situation when I reached through the bars of the jail, grabbed the phone, called my daughters and told them how to live their life. And they said, Dad, you don't know how to live your life. Click. Oh, wow. Why would we listen to you? And so that was a hard place to be, but it was a necessary place to be. So we have to, we have to call it what it is. You know, it is a pride issue. It is a sin issue. Yeah, and, and Sheriff, I think you alluded to it earlier before we went on the air that, that you know, you're handing out information that people can use to get help. But but a lot of times they they won't take you up on that, right? They don't accept oh, that information. Absolutely, and I think everybody at that t this table knows that we. Uh, we actually hand out a six-page brochure that tells you where to get mental health uh, help, where you get uh, medical help. Uh, it lists everybody at the table. Uh, this is their number. This is where you can go to get these things. The problem is, is it's, a, it's a choice. But as Casey said, you know, sometimes people that end up in jail, uh, we do get them lined out because they DT off their alcohol or their drug addiction. Uh, they start... Uh, seeing some of the ministries that come in, uh, they see the medical people, they get things straightened out, and they make good choices. And we've seen that, but it's, it really takes, uh, as was said at the table, a connection with somebody to, to move them that direction. I can tell you, you know, one thing that, that we haven't talked about that I'd like to talk about is, is you see across the country 
what I feel is a huge mistake is not only governments but private citizens open up their uh, property or land to let people come in and camp. And what that does is it's unregulated, it's unsafe, there's more crime that happens there than anything else. Uh, and it's the absolute worst thing that we can do as a community is do that. And we've seen it throughout the community where people will allow, you know, multiple multiple people do encampments there, which is fine if they want it on their property, but it does not help those people at all. I mean, we depend on, on you know, the outreach programs to go in and try to change the direction that they're going. But um, lots of government, a lot of cities have opened up, you know, 20, 30 acres for people to to camp and live and all that does is it's like giving methamphetamine to the, the addict and it, it does not work and in fact it makes the problem even worse and for a community to get their their arms around it so I hope we never go that direction yeah. uh, I can tell you the people that I encounter on private property and illegal encampments it's because they won't go to the Salvation Army they mm. won't go to the Victory Mission because you know they don't like the rules they don't like the rules that you can't shoot up and you can't do those things. And they'll tell me that. Sheriff, you know, they have too many rules. I'm not going there, and I'm not going to get help. Well, you know, that's the one that has to hit the rock bottom where we take them and, and, and they get arrested, and hopefully they change. But our community is great about coming together, but as we've said, it, it's a choice. Uh, we can um, – but we need to. We we really need to hit these people individually and hope that we can turn them around and make the right decision. And that's that's what we try to do. Even though sometimes I'm uh, looked at as the evil guy that come in and arrest people uh, out of uh, somebody's private property, but they're committing a crime. That's not. Uh, I don't arrest homeless. I arrest people that are committing a crime. Uh, and some of them actually have homes, but they choose to go out there because they can do drugs and 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 things like that. And that's. It's not okay in Greene County, so that's uh, that's where I come in. But yeah. the flip side of that is we have people that are willing to help in this community. We just have to get them to the right place. Sheriff, uh, you read my mind. Uh, that's the the next question I have. How do we balance compassion and tolerance for those who create their own makeshift shelters, tents, homeless camps? And then mm -hmm. the rights of property owners, because a lot of the property owners, they they didn't ask these people to to be on their property, um, and it may start off as maybe one property owner does, but another property owner doesn't, and they don't want to have anything to do with those people being on their property. Uh, you have to you have to protect the rules, and you have to protect the rights of property owners. Correct? Absolutely. So it's a it's a twofold thing. Uh, it, I. I talked to a city council person that, that posed the question to me, um, you know, why we just don't leave people at, at somebody's property. Because the property owner doesn't want them there. And that's your right just as much as it is if someone was in your backyard and you called 911 and they pitched a tent, is it okay to leave them there? Absolutely not. That's, they're, they're trespassing. That is your, your property and yeah. you, are the, you are the owner or the renter. You know, and so we can't infringe on people's rights by saying, no, we're not going to deal with that situation. We have to deal with it. How we deal with it as a community is what we need to decide. Uh, as I said, uh, and I think everybody agrees, making more beds is not the, not the issue. It's not the answer. It's getting them the right direction and hope they make the right decision. Now, Don, remember, not everybody will make the right decision. So we go back to that thing uh the old saying of the person throwing the starfish back into the sea 
you know you can't make a difference for everybody but you can make a difference for that one and that's what we that's what we try to do that's what this guy's success story is all about because somebody made a difference in his life and he changed so that's what we have to do and i think i think our community does a great job at that a lot of times i think we try to get too many nonprofits involved everybody's competing for the same thing uh these guys know their job he knows his job and he's doing a fantastic job on on the on the ministry side and you know uh, i don't care to say being a politician i don't care to say that that these people do do need jesus that's the direction they need to go but um you know we also need to 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 make sure they're fed and taken care of and that's we're doing a great job at it in this city and, and a lot of people think that we need to do something different i don't think we need to do something different i think we just need to get as many in the direction that we can and once they're fed from my friends across the table then uh Hopefully, uh, Freeway Ministries can come in and, and turn their life around. Yeah. Well said, Sheriff. How easy is it? It doesn't sound like it's easier. We would have done it by now, uh, Jason and uh, Chris, to get these people out of the, the camps, out of the homeless yeah. camps, out of the tents, and into your loving arms where they can that they can find fellowship and they can find a future. Um, where, how do we do that? Where do we go from here, and, and, and how are you working uh, with the city, the county, law enforcement in, in making that a possibility for people to where they don't uh, and, and then the sheriff brought up another interesting point too. Sometimes it's not people who need help necessarily, it's people who are out there because they want to do yeah. drugs. Uh, so how do you balance all of that? Well, I'll, t- I'll take a start at this. I think the the reality is we want to find people where they are, but that you know it's not good for anybody to have anybody in a tent or a camp. It's not good for them, and it's not good for our community because we need employers. I mean, employers need those employees, and there's a lot of manufacturing in this community that it just takes hard work and determination to show up on time, have a good attitude, and be teachable, and you can have a great great job and a great career in a lot of places. And so I think that American dream is alive in Springfield in Midwest Missouri here. And so we we want to be a part of that solution. And I think the reality is is having expectations and accountability. So one of the things we do is individuals come into our shelter. Uh, we have three different sides of our shelter, largest shelter in southwest Missouri. And we're, we're able to give you a variety of tracks. But we're just saying, hey, here's your expectation. Here's the rules. Here's how we want you to engage. Here's just commonplace. Don't touch other people's stuff. Don't mess with other people. Be gracious. And then we're going to hold you accountable to that. And if you don't follow the rules, that's what Casey was saying. A lot of the friends that they see, you know, or or Sheriff Arno, they don't want to come because we're going to say, hey, we need you to be this. But that's also what our community's saying. We want you in the community. And they get in these sub-communities where they might be the smartest person in that tent camp. And so now they're valuable in that tent camp, and we want to say, hey, you could be valuable here. They don't believe that yet. So that disconnect, some ways I want to I go to sleep at night thinking, I don't know how to do that. And maybe that's just a reality. Like, I don't know how to get them from here to there except through a conversation, like Chris has said. But it takes that expectations and accountability to move them forward. And we're going to say, we're going to walk with you. I can't do stuff to you. I'm not going to do stuff for you, but I'll do stuff with you. And I think that's the discipleship piece. That's the sheriff's piece, the Salvation Army. We're all going to do that with peace. But if you stop walking, I can't walk either. So, Chris Brumman, how how difficult is that to to be able to get people um, to where you need them to be? And away from where they are right now. Right. I'll say that 
we have in, in both of our shelters a waiting list. People who want to come in, they want to take part in that because they've heard these are structured programs. They do have rules. They, they have expectations. They yep. have accountability. All those things that we all have in our jobs, right, yep. and in our life. And we will have from time to time folks who will come in and decide, yeah, this isn't for me. Or I'm going to try to circumvent the rules. I'm going to try to do my own thing. We'll talk. Hey, th this isn't working. These are the expectations. We want to see you succeed. We may need to exit them. And it sounds harsh, but we need to keep moving forward. As I said, we've got folks who want to come in. Sheriff says we don't need more beds. I agree to a point, but I also say I've got a full shelter. We could do more, but it still comes back to, as, as we're all saying, the individual choice there. Yeah, let me, let me clarify on that. You guys need more beds. What we need to do is the beds aren't going to fix it, the overnight stuff, but the uh, relationship absolutely. is. And, and a lot of people just think, hey, we'll just provide, like the, a lot of churches will go, hey, we'll just open our doors and provide a place to, to sleep. Well, if, if you leave them there, a lot of times that's where law enforcement gets called because right. crimes are getting committed, drugs are being done. And so uh, beds for the structured things, absolutely. but not just places to sleep. And that's mm -hmm. a lot of communities think, oh, we'll just create a, a, a big gymnasium full of uh, cots. Well, it these guys can tell you 100% that just does not work with no structure. Right. And um, I, I mean, I, I run a shelter too. I got mm -hmm. eight, almost 800 in there mm -hmm. right yeah. now. So, and <laughs> everything revolves around rules. And mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of the people we encounter, they have warrants. That's why they're dodging. They're sleeping in the yes, woods. Uh, you know, they don't want to go to a shelter because there's rules. And, uh, we t and they know this. We drop them off at their shelters all the time. Try to get try to get people help, and we do have lots of success stories. So it's not it's not just all bad because we have we have seen some really good success stories. But uh, anyway, on that, yes, beds for you guys, just not open beds with no structure. Agreed. Yes, sir. Casey Merrick, how do we, how do we do it? How do we get? And is it possible that we reach one person in that homeless camp, and and we you're able to help them? and then um, they're able to tell their friends about it and maybe more people can get help? I mean, is it, is it literally just reaching one at a time? Uh, how do we do it? Yeah, um, homeless camps are tough, you know, and I think we've all got our, our lane, you know, that we're, we're in and, and that we're good at. And there's places like, like mental health is huge. Mental health, um, what's the answer for that? You know, medication's a patch, but what's the answer for mental health? People that you know you can't have a conversation with what's the answer there that's a tough one you know and it's right in front of us and we can't ignore it I think um, I mean obviously people I think in homeless camps they've they've separated themselves they've chosen they've chosen to separate themselves from society so we're trying to drag them back into something that they're running from that's a tough yes. push mm -hmm. that's really hard they don't want to be out of the woods for the most part I mean and there's some people that do but how do you do that? That's a great question. And that's where I come back, like, without a heart change, you'll never see authority as a good thing. Something happened along the line, probably early in their childhood or somewhere along the line, where they began to see authority as an oppressive, dangerous, hurtful thing. And now they'll do whatever it takes to have this sense of freedom, even if it's separating themselves from society in the woods. 
until they understand that there's a Heavenly Father in Heaven, the ultimate authority that is good and does care for them and does love them, it's hard to really make that connection that any other authority can be good in your life. And so that's a tough one. It's a really good question. Yeah. We have uh, less than 10 minutes left on our KWTO Town Hall panel discussion on homelessness in our community, the vicious cycle of homelessness in yeah. Springfield and Greene County. Casey Merrick, the Director of Men's Fellowship at Freeway Ministries. Jason Henson, Executive Director of the Springfield Victory Mission. Chris Brummett, Director of Social Services, the Salvation Army. And Jim Arnott, Greene County Sheriff. And uh, Sheriff, you, you alluded to the fact that, uh, that you have a shelter there, too. Uh, I'm going to guess, though, that that's not the favorite place uh, for a lot of these people to spend their time. And do you feel like that there are some when they get out of uh, the Greene County Jail uh, that that that's all the deterrent they need and they're ready to start their life anew? I mean, uh, how much of a deterrent is uh, incarceration in this community? Just overall, I mean, not just homelessness. Yeah, well, I, I think for those maybe first and second timers, there there is a choice there. But when you are, are there a dozen to 20 times, then uh, it's no longer a deterrent. But, you know, we have success stories. One thing that we see, uh, you know, they're a captive audience. So what we're able to do is make them do the things that they don't want to do. Like we, you will see a doctor. You will see a counselor. You will get your medication straightened out. And, that, and you're off drugs. You're off alcohol. And, you know, when we see a lot of people that are released and we're like, oh, they, you know, they're, they're great. They're talking about the things that they want to do, the next step they want to do. And then we hand them this this brochure that has, you know, six pages that tells you how you get your medication, how you can keep your keep going and things. Medication do's, don'ts, doctor appointments, everything in this thing. Unfortunately, when they walk out the door, we find these everywhere. They're laying on the floor, they're, they're laying the in the cells, yeah. But I go back to the thing that that I really feel is appropriate, you know. We throw a lot of things at a lot of people, and if we get one or two, that's a success story, and that's how we keep right. doing what yes. we do. Absolutely. And so that's that's what it takes, uh, you know. But unfortunately, it's it's a big issue. But I think everybody, you can call this panel uh, a bunch of experts because we're we are we d we deal with it every day. If we can if we can get just one or two, that's our goal, and we feel pretty successful. And then, and it's an individual thing. You can't make a sweeping policy change, right. uh, a sweeping idea that's going to fix this problem because it's not going to work. It's all the things combined. It's mental health. It's uh, homelessness. It's poverty. It's it's jobs. It's all those things. It's religion. Whatever you choose to do. Um, but it's all about making right decisions, and that's uh, that's what we want to see happen, uh, and that's why we we're together in what we do. We we want to see a change. In the remaining minutes, I want to do another around the horn here, where we pose the same question to each of you, and I want you to think about the reasons for optimism going forward, and the reasons for concern about our homeless population, and what concerns you the most. What keeps you up at night as as you do your job. Um, but 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 also the optimism too, and uh, and Jason Henson will start with you. Okay, well you know the thing is that keeps me up at night is that that question we've been asked. You know what motivates? How do I motivate somebody through a conversation and a relationship to see what I see in them? And mm -hmm. I think that's the mm -hmm. thing that I see a potential. I see the next employee in 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 Springfield. I see somebody who can be a great dad. 
an amazing husband. I can see a woman who's ready to walk out that process in our long-term program, who wants to be a mom, who wants to be back in their kids' lives, you know, to take that back on from their parents a lot of times and things like that. When I see that, I can see that in them, but they don't, they don't believe us. A lot of times the, the staff and the people that are there, they don't believe us. And so I think that's my thing that keeps me up, and it's also the greatest thing because when they discover that there's potential and there's hope within them and they lay down that life, they lay down the pride, they lay down the shame when they get real, when they get vulnerable, when they get transparent and they say, today is the day I'm going to be different and I'm not looking back, I'm moving forward, I'm going to walk it out, I'm going to believe you, I'm going to trust you and we're going to take a step forward. And so it's that, it's both of those. It's the struggle of getting to, to that point, but it's also the hope that they can and we've seen it and I'm going to see it again and I'm going to believe for them and with them that potential's there. Jason, thank you. Thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing on behalf of the Springfield Victory Mission. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, Chris Brummett, um, your thoughts. Uh, what are we doing well, and uh, why do you have reason for optimism, and, and what concerns you the most? What concerns me the most is that we are uh, continuing to see our homeless population grow, and that's across all age brackets. Uh, we're even seeing we would call young adults, 16 to, to 24. We're seeing folks come in requesting services. We'll get them connected with other, other organizations that focus on that age bracket. That keeps me awake at night, thinking about it's growing. How are we gonna work with this? How are we gonna encourage folks to move forward? A reason for optimism, just as Jason says, we've seen those successes we know folks have it in them we have opportunity to pour dignity into them help them find their dignity find hope and then thinking about the day-to-day -day, a reason to be optimistic springfield does work together we are all working the same in the fishing same pond if you will we're we're collaborating we're building those partnerships what does freeway do well what does victory mission do well what does the salvation army do well let's work together on that and we're seeing successes come from that. Very good. Chris Brummett, thank you for being with thank us tonight. Uh, Casey, and, uh, and Sheriff, we have uh, less than two minutes left here. So, Casey, your, your closing thoughts. Yeah, well, I think that, um, I think that the, the good news is that this is, you know, has been said that we are working together. You know, things like COVID happened that shook us up. You know, whenever homelessness is out in, on the front street in our face, we have to deal with it. And that makes us change. And that is good because now we are working together better than we ever have. Now we are joining together. We are being creative. And, um, and, and I think the, the tragedy of what keeps me up at night is just that, you know, on the other side of this, if people don't get eternity right, they've missed everything. And so that's the gospel is the good news overall. And so whatever means it takes to use it, shower trailers, whatever, um, to use the gospel. Amen. Mm -hmm. Casey Merrick, thank you. Appreciate you being here. Sheriff Arnott, a quick closing thought. So everybody has done great with their comments, so I'm going to take it a different direction. So my closing comment is don't give money to the people on the street corner. You want to make a difference in this community, drop some money in the red kettle, drop some money over to Springfield Victory Mission, do the right thing, call them a, call them a, ta a, a taxi and have them taken there. Don't promote bad behavior because that goes to alcohol and drugs and things that, that is just going to keep them alive on the street. Don't promote uh, encampments either because that doesn't get them help, but it does get them help when they get a ride over the Salvation Army or to Victory Mission, and, and then we can get them to the, the ministries after you know we get them taken care of. And that's, that's what we need to do as a community. Don't promote it. Let's, uh, let's look to the experts to take care of the people, and that's who's sitting in this room.
Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you, Sheriff. Thank you, all of you, for uh, for taking the time. It's only one hour, but uh, hopefully we at least have made a dent, and our listeners at least have some food for thought as we all try to tackle this together as a community. Thank you to Casper and Anderson, our floor producer tonight, and Garrett Bowles, who is our studio producer, and our chief engineer, Keith Stevenson, making sure that we are on the air, and we appreciate that, and we appreciate you listening as well. We do hope to do more of these on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO.